So I put a lot of emphasis uh, on use of the body for spiritual practices. Basically because as soon as we uh, even conceive of meditation, spiritual practices, we think, oh, that's the mind, which it is. But the uh, <laughs> certainly in India, where this arose, the mind was not considered to be separate from the body. The mind-spirit, life-spirit, intelligent life-spirit, you know, through the body, everything that's alive has this fundamental spirit, intelligent, it's sensitive, it's receptive, even a tree does, even a tree's got that, you can check out where the light is and where the water is, it's not stupid. So everything that's alive has some aspect of this fundamental spirit, intelligence, human beings, chitta, which is exceptionally well developed. <laughs> We're deeply spiritual beings. Really are. You know, we can we can find depths that are, uh, are really, you know, uh, profound, and uh, our minds can widen to include vast range of of concerns, the welfare of other beings. Compassion can be huge. Our ability to span the cosmos of space and time with our minds is profound. That's fine, just what we do with it gets to be the problem. His mind gets taken over by defective programs uh, based essentially, and the Buddha's talked about the origin of suffering, is uh, identification. Identification means that, you know, experience is divided into an entity and that which experiences. It's me and there's an it. This is the fundamental uh, first construction that doesn't seem to be particularly stressful. Uh, But based upon that, once we have the me-it division, then there becomes a sense in which a relationship is established, which is non-mutual. I'm the important thing, it's just stuff. Or that's her, you know, I'm the important one here. And then disharmony occurs. Yeah. A discord occurs, an imbalance occurs. Which lessens our compassion, lessens our sensitivity, lessens our openness. Becomes slightly unbalanced. And around this, then various forms of acquisition take place and hoarding takes place for me, for mine and then defence against things so uh, if it worked fine but as it is the, 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 uh, this fundamental paradigm uh, because it's in a state of imbalance it's not settled. You know, it's like something that's tilted over. It's not settled. So, in an unsettled state, it doesn't feel in equilibrium. 
So it's slightly restless and dissatisfied. And this is called dukkha. It means it's slightly at a kilter. It's in balance, so it feels some stress, just as if our body leans over the stress. And balance, no stress. This over-emphasizing the subject and the importance of the subject as a separate entity, as something separable, generates the origin of some stress, some nagging discord. But then the strategies that it's been trained into or inducted into is, we'll have some more for me. That will make it better. Which sounds nice idea, generally associated with a rather pleasant feeling. So some more for me. <laughs> the imbalance is increased. <laughs> oh, something going wrong needs some more. The imbalance is increased. The more you get, the more we get in the terms of getting things, acquiring things, the more discord hunger, thirst is born. The uh, experience called tanha by the Buddha, thirst. We get hungry for more. And he said, all the rain in the world would not slake your thirst. If the raindrops turn into gold, there would still be not be enough. Because this thirst doesn't get quenched by following it. It gets quenched by arresting the cause of it. And the, and the premises of it. The premise, the cause is difficult to arrest because it's the sense of I am. But the premises, that is to get more will make me feel better, that we begin to contemplate that. Does it? It does for a while, otherwise it wouldn't do it at all, absolutely. But it leaves, as the feeling fades, it leaves the mind slightly... Uh, uh, what's next? Uh, 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 the beak is open. What next? More worms. <laughs> it could be a sight, sound, touch, thought. Um, it's like that. So this is called the origin of dukkha. This is rising up of tanha first. We begin to hmm, look at the strategies of that and the premises. Hmm. Well, you know, I've tried this one and that one, I've been here and been there, and they all gave me more or less the same results. It was good for a while, otherwise I wouldn't have done it. But not thirst doesn't stop, it just moves on to something else. And of course, if people don't get this, then you get addiction builds in. Of course, addiction, we, we feel it's kind of sinful, but it's pretty common. You know, we get addicted not just to alcohol, or overeating, munching, binging on food, which isn't that good for us, um, to eat too much. And we get media binging, just kind of saturating oneself in, in media, internet, so forth, uh, gambling, get addictive practices, addictive processes, which, when you look at them objectively, don't seem to be serving much purpose. 
but they, there's a compulsive itch that one scratches. The more you scratch it, the more itchy it gets. <laughs> but as we all would recognise, just to stop scratching an itch is quite a test, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So this is the strategy of the Buddha, is, well, look, find somewhere else to go. Take your attention off that itch and find yourself something more fulfilling that you could binge on, if you like. (laughs) And this is something like virtue. (laughs) I don't mean being utterly legalistically fanatical. I mean enjoying and appreciating and dwelling in and really gorging yourself on the quality of harmlessness, that feeling of it. And not just that, but also trustworthiness. I don't take what isn't given. Uh, my speech is void of barbs and poisons. That feel tastes really nice. Uh, I don't just go dumping my mental stuff into other people. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Without some sense of what's appropriate, how does this work, is this the right time, and so forth. So we... This gives a sense of a bright, upright centre. Centre firms up. Now, when you use a word like centre, it seems a very physical word, but it can also be used um, in terms of this imbalance, you know, which has been off centre. But when, so anything that takes us back to, well, the other and me were sort of equal importance, so. You know, what I do is going to affect her, and that's important for me, so let's check that. How am I, what this, you know, if I take that, then it's not available for anybody else, is it? And so we, that sense of the mutuality of our experience, which is a fact, after all, and we address the imbalance in it. And this addressing of imbalance brings one back to a much more centralised perception, perspective. So then we get, you could say, a psychological centre that you firm up because this feels good. No doubt about it. This is not just some kind of, you know, theoretical practice. It does feel good. Because your mind isn't spinning out and surging and crashing. It's got something for that jitta, that spirit, to refer to. And of course, this centre is in the jitta. So it refers to something within itself, turning into itself, rather than out to that, where we can get all kinds of strategies going on, we turn into this. But notice the turning into this doesn't mean I'm completely unaware of all that. Because this is mediating my relationship with her and with that and with this and with those. Yeah. So the centre remains. And your sense doors are open. I can still see and hear. But now I'm mediating the responses so that I don't tip over into those sights and sounds. Checking, restraining. How am I with this? And notice what the energy that rushes out. Take your time. This process of taking our time can be mediated through the body. 
And if we start to operate at body time, you know, when your body feels centered and balanced and not jittery and rushing forward helter-skelter, then that mediates because, you know, there's a sense of that that mediates the, the way in which you operate. And, uh, you know, the humbling uh, experience of, of this mindfulness of body means you just think, oh, oh, oh great, oh, cookie, oh, cookie, it's a cookie. Okay, I've got to get up, get up, I've got to move one leg and the other leg, breathe in and breathe out. By the time I get to the cookie jar, the feeling of wanting a cookie has disappeared. <laughs> do those a few times you know well I've got to have that I've got to have that and just okay you can have it just when you have it just make sure come into your body you know move both your arms and legs and take your time and breathe in by the time you get you know know, just helping to 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 interfere with the impulse pattern of the mind it's jump I've got to have it now you can have it, but not right now, can you? You can't have it in the moment you think about it, can you? You've got to do something and just follow your body in doing that. Mindfully going to the cookie jar. Mindfully unscrewing the lid. Put the lid down carefully. Mindfully raise the hand. Mindfully hover over a cookie. Drop down into the cookie jar. <laughs> <laughs> is this really worth it? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's all right. I just it was a nice idea, but I just <laughs> and so you you know this is the way we kind of ex- explore and work modestly without uh, kind of little addictions, our munchy addictions, or our well, fancy you know, pushing it. One of those. Okay, just do it slowly. Yeah. Oh, the feeling passes. <laughs> the impulse passes, and that's a learning. It's not because you're scolding the impulse or feeling guilty about it. It's just the nature of an impulse. It's a surging signal that you know does that. So. <laughs> Whatever it, however, you know, ignoble it is or valuable it is, if you just lengthen your attention span over it, you get to the end of the signal and the signal fades out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, does it? So, if you haven't taken a stand against cookies or beaten yourself up for being a cookie freak. <laughs> You just your mindfulness of the body just says, "Go ahead, you know, be fully aware, and you feel the ending of the impulse. What happens? You bring open, calm. What's important now? Take a breath. It's important now. Reflect on that experience. Learn something. Learn a little something." Um, the thing to learn is impulse 
changes by itself. You don't have to keep beating it around. Impulse changes by itself, given open openness and firmness. And firm the center. Open. Okay. You want to do this? I'm open to that. But the caveat is you've got to sustain that sense of open presence with what you're doing. Notice how the impulses change. And even the appetites change. Yeah. We find we tend to not be so interested in the strong, intense surges. You know, things that cause intense surges, like stimulating, deeply exciting, fantastic. Because as you contemplate the nature of impulse, you realise that took some energy out of you, didn't it? <laughs> you know, it definitely used some energy to do that, mental energy to do that. Now, stuff that's really surging uses a lot of energy. And it, just this crackle of excitement mm-hmm. stimulates, of course, and it gets excited and stimulated, and then we get to the end of it, and whew. and uh, the st- more stimulated it is, you know, the less open the, the awareness is. The more one's awareness is captured by the stimulation and you don't feel so safe about that because you get reckless and you lose centre and you get reckless and then you wake up with a hangover or you've got to repair some remark that you made dear oh dear you know <laughs> you know you've got to fix the car or something that you just crashed <laughs> or you've got to hey where did all that money go <laughs> yeah, so just that quality of, of we, we're caring for ourselves realizing you know the uh, ways uh, the means of moderating how we follow uh, desire and of course uh, craving is the kind of desire that wants to put things into me status I want some of that Prestige, I like some of that. You know. To be considered wonderful, I like some of that. You know. Thirst, power, I like some of that. Getting my own way, yeah, big heap of that. Uh, and then sight, sounds, tastes, and touches, and so forth. So we, craving is always to put things in. But when you moderate the force of desire, you say, yeah, there's certainly desirable qualities, but rather than things you have to pull into yourself that kind of leak out, that dissolve, why don't you turn your desire internally to qualities you can generate in your own heart, such as the desire for uh, clarity, desire for blamelessness, desire for purity, uh, a wish to uh, not harm in any way wish to be reliable conscience and concern may I pay pay more attention, I wish that this is a profitable form of desire 
we turn it inwardly and then you're finding there's certainly a direction to go certainly something to put your energy into something you can but it will give you greater benefit because it, it doesn't burn it's cool it doesn't burn it, you out it actually increases your energy and your potential and your resources and you can still by all means you can do things you know, in some isolated cell and so this is often the recommended way in which we begin to gradually you know shift this imbalance from the gross imbalance of the person who's grossly domineering grossly obsessive grossly compulsive grossly self-oriented grossly narcissistic yeah, to the person who's slightly narcissistic <laughs> a little bit obsessive here and there <laughs> and then, then okay well you know better watch this one and see uh, something a little better for you and it's always the aim is this is for your welfare to make you feel better longer steadier and have more resources so you don't burn out and you get good friends you know, and you've got nothing to regret these two um this, this, this process brings up what are called um, spiritual faculties, which we all have. Like just they're, they're part of our makeup, though they're not necessarily noted or described. The first is the sense of what we call the Buddhist word for it, sadha, which means there could be a better for me. There could be something better. So yeah, there's a kind of desire for it, at least the sense of there's an opening. My life is not all closed down, that's it, you know, finished, that's where I am, hopeless, you know, or what, that's all as good as it's going to get. A sense of there's something, a little bit of a kindling of aspiration. I don't know what it is, but, you know, so we get that suggestion. And, in fact, if there isn't this, if the little candle has gone out of aspiration, Life is kind of meaningless, really, because what a, you know, what's the point of just keeping this whole thing going if there's nothing, nothing to advance into? Well, we know this body's going to get sick and die, so why hang around? <laughs> you know, and it's not just a matter of do your duty, get a job, go to work. What for? And certainly this is my own experience. You know, what's the point of all this? You can go through the motions, but this is something a little bit, you know, more meaningful. So this is the kindling, the sadha, word for its faith. Though faith can bring up certain other nuances of belief. It's not a belief. It's an openness. This is the beginning of the opening of the heart. Yeah. So sometimes the firming center, opening heart, you know, which comes first, difficult to say. But the opening to the possibility. You know, and then maybe we get something that touches our faith. Oh yeah, that's really wow, that's that's beautiful. Could be you read something, you know, or you, you meet someone. Oh she's 
she's lovely, beautiful. Ordinary person or same kind of stuff as I got, but she's quite radiant, composed, bright, you know, free, human being. And these are our great greatest teachers. It's just that meeting the human who's, you know, developed their spiritual potential because then you really see it modelled and you get almost an instinctive heart-to-heart connection because this chitta is, is essentially, you know, kind of some, a resonant experience. It's sending out you know, sig- waves of sensitivity and it's just accessing what's around, what's feeling around. And the most significant thing on its radar is the presence of other humans. This is kind of obvious, isn't it, really? You know, newborn baby, mum, immediately. You don't have to figure it out. <laughs> it's an orientation. Where's the other human? And then the human that's going to give me the, the warmth, the encouragement, the stability. So we still have that loaded, that program. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that feels steady. That feels warm. Yeah. You get that. Oh, it could be. So you begin to see the actuality, and the faith increases. And then when you've ever been able to, you know, get some sense of personal realization yourself, you know, I have been able to let go of that. I have been able to sustain this, and your faith becomes really firmed up. And then it always firms up the center again. Naturally, you know, in this process, we have the other um, second indriya. These are called support faculties, authorities. Indra, as you might know, is the king of the gods. So this is the boss. (laughs) And these spiritual faculties can be the leaders. So... Faith leads one because it leads the jitta. This is where the good thing is. You can feel it directly in your heart. It's not just dazzling, but you get a nice, steady, cool, stabilizing quality. Second one, virya. Virya means something like vitality, energy, that which lights us up. We get that, yeah. You know, with faith, yeah, I can, I can, I can. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Something ignites, something that rises up, something that shows up. We decide to be fully present in our lives rather than a bystander. Everything's <laughs> easy. No, I'm going to take some initiative here. This is the kindling of the principle of energy. And just this kindling itself is already an empowerment, saying, okay, now you, yours, you have authority. Don't believe you're just a mindless slave in a system. Yeah. Duped, you have authority. No. So you get a rising of the potential. And you can feel it sort of lifting through your energetic system. It's important to touch into these things. Whereby instead of just kind of, oh, go along, go along, go along, you know, that's the way we do it. It's a some humdrum authority. I do. Because it firms me up. The energy is energizing your firm center. You're making some degree of resolve. I will try. And then you begin to look for some specific points 
specific points that you could put some energy into. Could be, as we've been saying, meditation, breathing in and out. Could be cultivating careful attention to what your needs are. Uh, relationships. I've been a bit casual about her or not very respectful towards him or did I have I checked in with so and so and whatever these things are just entering that that field the real field of mutuality with a little more you know don't just let it slide take take initiative in your duties what you're doing what you want to put aside what you want to freshen up with there's only so much you can do make it worthwhile don't just squander your energy dissipating on I'm supposed to do this I always used to do that they tell me I need to do this and so forth this is slavery and you can should be out of once you kind of keep referring back to that core principle of the arising of energy because the arising of energy in this is occurs simultaneously with the arising of faith because I'm open to this and I'm encouraged by this and I'm inspired by this I see value in this I will put energy into it so we've got specific points now you can zoom that down to meditation I can just put energy into lengthening my spine you're thinking about I'll put some energy into getting enlightened no, no, that's just this. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you know, it's just an idea, isn't it? But <laughs> you take anything to well, I practice. You can use this body. I'll lengthen the spine. I'll look into my breathing. I'll make sure I really finish an out-breath before I go in the breath. That's quite specific, finite, exact. You can get onto it. It's not a notion. And you can do it as well. <laughs> you could work with it. Yeah. I'll put some energy into, you know, when I walk, one step at a time. Use energy to moderate how I walk, fully walk, and restrain the mind's running out into this and that and this and that it's using the energy to draw back the runaway mind and because this will firm me up give me strength it's my welfare and if I don't all my juice will be dissipated and with no end in sight because the possibilities of what could, should, might, ought to go on to infinity, really. Specific quality of energy. And then as that fulfilled, you get a feeling of feeling energised. You know, the, the payoff, the return comes back home. You feel bright. You feel clear. Your energy is composed, settled. It's ready to apply itself to any task that you wish. Mm-hmm. So the sense of cultivating energy. Mm-hmm itself is a practice how can you consolidate find the right time the right place smooth steady energy and so this in terms of your daily tasks of course and your breathing and meditation
So with mindfulness, which is the third of these, something that forms a frame of reference. Of course, there's quite a lot of mindfulness. There's a buzzword, teaching of mindfulness, and it probably means a number of things to different people. But um, the way it's couched in the scriptures, Buddhist mindfulness anyway, or Samasamadhi, says one has one is mindful one has the ability to bear in mind the meaning of teachings given long ago. Huh? It means your mind can linger on something and hold it steadily, get the meaning. What's that feel like? So mindfulness has got a certain it's using the chitta's sensitivity to what struck me, what is appropriate here. And stay with that. So, although we may be just focusing on your breathing, that's attention. Mindfulness of breathing means you're attentive in a particular way, which is sympathetic, which is handling attention in a careful way, in a moderated way, receptive to, learning from. So, it's very much not me controlling things, me getting a grip on this or the other, the other, but actually a refinement of a relationship. So if I'm mindful of breathing, I'm also, okay, how, how is breathing? I don't know. I can think what it is, but what does the body feel like? And how does it get more comfortable and more steady? I don't know, but I'll just keep presenting that question because the teaching is it should get comfortable and steady okay so am I is my body fully here lengthened open is my mind in the right state of attitude so mindfulness is still holding all these faculties until they come together until these faculties of attitude intention physicality, sensitivity begin to come together and the coming together is called samadhi or collectedness. The process of everything coming together is, you know, the, the filtering process is called wisdom. You keep checking. No, that's too much of that. That's now drifted off there. That's not, that was, that's where it works. Here's where it feels most agreeable. Stay with that. Your wisdom is scanning what mindfulness is, is putting a loop around. And the result of this is samadhi. Mindfulness is the ability to bear something in mind. And so we recognize we, have, we all have that potential. But then you develop it by saying, what's useful to bear in mind at this particular time? Useful in that it will give rise to clarity, to balance in the present moment. So there are many useful things we could bear in mind, you know, exchange rates, cricket scores, whatever, you know, they may be, may be what we want to know about. But say that the most useful always is avoid, independent of circumstances, the most useful is to know what brings firmness of centre, openness of heart. So we're going really back to the core 
system in meditation. And using time to really invigorate, freshen up, clarify, strengthen the core central system, our heart, our embodied mind. And then once you've got that principle straight, then that one is going to serve you until you've repaired and reset and refresh this then you're running in a defective uh, defective apparatus you could say wisdom clarity around that when you do since yes, that is better get it before you did this you didn't think you could do it did you and now you've done it see <laughs> you just needed to be a bit more attentive and take your time see there's the results of course the main thing about wisdom is recognizing it doesn't work unless you do it (laughs) and if you did it yesterday it doesn't work today necessarily you've got to keep you know like washing your body five days ago (laughs) that was great but you need to wash it again (laughs) how many times do you wash your mind yeah. more important really grubby mind can kill you so these then help to mediate our desire and uh, over the long term we're beginning through that process of mediating this sense of self and I want into something whereby yeah I want but I, what I want is to live in harmony without all this tugging of reckless craving and that's that's when you relinquish that or some of that what's left you could call it yourself if you want but I tend to call it jitta heart It's not fixed into a particular person, personality. It's not narcissistic. It's not obsessive. It's not dominating. And reducing those trends till there is certainly an operating centre, but it's no longer so out of balance with everything else. And this is... uh, one of the ways in which we can express the results of these, uh, this training and teaching, and it will always be relevant for one's welfare. So let's take some time for direct practice today.